You're listening to Cleveland First Baptist Church's weekly sermon audio from lead pastor Rick Dill. For more information, please visit clevelandfirstbaptistchurch.com. As you know, we're in a series that deals with the life and teachings of Jesus and as according to the Gospel of Matthew. Wesley has read our scripture already, and if you or maybe just tuning in, maybe turn to your Bible to chapter 4 where you found, find the events of the temptation of Jesus. And that's what we want to talk about today. Now, um, you know, temptation, that's a funny thing. Um, can you remember the first time that you were actually tempted to do something that you should not do? You remember that? Uh, I actually remember that very clearly. Now, it could be that there were some things ahead of that, probably, that I don't remember. But my first memory where I knew afterwards this dealt with some sort of temptation to do something that in my heart I knew I should not do was in the first grade. And um, we lived in town, in Jasper, and so um, we walked home then. Actually, in my case, I walked to the business that my parents ran, which was, oh, probably a 20-minute walk, something like that, right through the residential areas of the town from the school. And um, as, as I would walk home, uh, there was a, a yard, and it was a beautiful yard. Uh, a couple, whoever they were, had manicured that yard, and um, there were plants that were right on the sidewalk. And Around those plants, they had put the most magnificent white stones. They were a marvel to me. Now, I know now that you just go down to Lowe's and you buy a bag of them for $3 and that's that. But they'd use that kind of as mulch around those plants. And every day when I would walk by, I would think I would really like to have one of those white rocks. Because it was really white. And uh, one day, uh, I don't know how long this was into the year because I dealt with this feeling for a long time, I'm walking by this house and I remember stopping and looking both ways, right and left, to check it out, nobody that I could see, and I grabbed a rock, stuck it in my pocket, and I took off. Now, obviously... uh, I'm sure the couple, they wouldn't wouldn't have minded me taking a rock, or ten for that matter. But in my heart, uh, that was something I struggled with because I felt like I was stealing something. And I knew that was something that God did not want me to do. You know, today we're going to talk about one of the great problems that faces every person who earnestly tries to follow Christ faithfully, and that is the problem of temptation. So let me just begin by asking, what what exactly is temptation? Well, one of the definitions that I found that I liked says it is to entice or to allure to do something uh, often regarded as unwise, wrong, or immoral. So let me just remind us to start with that God... Although he tests us through various trials, he does not tempt us with evil. The scripture is clear there. If a temptation is evil, it is not from the Lord, 
It is from Satan. For example, when Abraham was put to the test, it was not with the desire from God to make Abraham fall, but to solidify his faith in God. That is a test. But we face temptations to do wrong, to live immorally. And, and that is something that comes from Satan, not from God. Whose desire it is, Satan's desire, it is to see us fall and abandon God's call on our lives. Now, it should be some comfort that Jesus also faced temptations and that the possibility of Jesus falling into temptation and abandoning God's call on his life, it was real. It was a genuine possibility. It was a temptation. So we looked last week at the baptism of Jesus, which was an announcement of the beginning of his public ministry. We talked about that. And after his baptism, as Jesus was coming out of the water, he heard a voice, <clears throat> a voice from his father saying, This is my dearly loved son who brings me joy. Now, um, immediately after Jesus announces the beginning of his ministry, he hears God, his father, speak from heaven, uh, announcing that this is my son and that I am pleased with him. Uh, he, he, I rejoice in who he is and what he's doing. And directly after that, we read this story of the temptation. Jesus goes right into the wilderness after the baptism and uh, spends 40 days in prayer and fasting. And when he's at his weakest point, Satan approaches him and he says something very interesting because it relates to what God had said at the baptism. Satan says to Jesus, in whatever form that was, we are not told that, if you are the son of God. So God, Satan begins the temptation experience by questioning the validity of what Jesus has just heard from his father at his baptism. Because God said, you are my son. Now, now this is the thing that we need to recognize. Satan tempts Jesus to affirm who he is, but to deny what he has been called to do. That is very important for us. The father had said, not just, you are my son, but what? With whom I am well pleased. I am pleased with you. Why? We talked about this last week. Because you're my son who has come and, and given yourself. You've left your throne to be born a man and to die for the sins of the creation that I love. You bring joy to me because of the willingness to be obedient to, de obedient to death on the cross. So the real temptation was to take hold of the glory as the son of God without the suffering of obedience. Satan was tempting Jesus to enjoy the blessings of sonship without the suffering of obedience that sonship brings with it. So we want to look at that. A blessing without suffering. So the point is we are also children of God. If, if you are a follower of Jesus, you've been given the right to be called a son or daughter of God. 
John writes, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. You are a child of God if you're a follower of Christ. Your adoption as a son or daughter is the greatest blessing you can ever receive. But it comes with a call to die to self. Matt mentioned that in the Sunday school lesson this morning in a different context. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 9, if you cling to your life, that is, if you are unwilling to follow me, to to believe in such a way that you surrender the rights that you have to be Lord of your own life. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Satan's temptation for us often takes the same form. We are tempted to want to claim the the blessings of sonship without the obedience that sonship demands. We can't have one without the other. You cannot be a child of God and a child of this world. In order to have the blessings of sonship, then you must give up your life as dominated and ruled by the desires of this world. Satan's temptation is actually to seek the blessing without the sacrifice. Now, we want to look at each of the three temptations in order to understand uh, what they mean more clearly. So, So what do they mean? Well, first, we need to get the big picture. Uh, We need to remember who Satan is and exactly how he works. Uh, What was it that Satan was trying to do? Let's just remind ourselves of a few things. First of all, Satan was a fallen angel who, along with many others, lived in, in rebellion against God. Satan's purpose was to overthrow God's rule and to become God himself. Satan was cast out of heaven because of his rebellion with the promise that he would someday be completely destroyed. Satan is the Hebrew name uh, for Lucifer, the angel who fell, and devil, sometimes the Bible uses the word devil, that is simply the Greek translation of the Hebrew word Satan. His name means accuser or slanderer. So so Satan failed in his attempt, in his rebellion. Uh, He failed to overthrow or overpower God outright. So instead he attacked what God loved, his creation. He tempted man into sin. It's very important that you remember the way that Satan tempted Adam and Eve. He says, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you eat the fruit, You will be like God. That's what Satan said. You will be, in other words, your own God. You will decide what is good and evil for your life. You don't have to be under the lordship of your creator anymore. You can just do what you want. With Adam and Eve, and guess what? With us, that sounded pretty good. And they fell to that temptation. So man lived then in the misery that sin and rebellion brought. God's creation had begun to die, and it's still dying today. But when Adam and Eve were put out of the garden, God spoke a prophecy 
to Satan, directly to Satan. And he says, I'm going to send my messenger. You may bruise his head, that is, you may injure him, but he is going to crush your head. It's a harsh word. Let me just ask you something. <laughs> Do you think there was ever a day in those thousands of years that Satan didn't think about who God would send, when he would come, and how he would crush the plans of Satan? Don't you think that Satan must have been surprised when the messenger who came was God himself? Part of the Trinity? Satan was desperate to tempt Jesus into the same mistake that Adam and Eve had made. Rebellion against the Father. So he has to go about this in the right way. And he decides to use flattery and God's own words to tempt Jesus. He says, well, if you are the Son of God... Tell those stones become loaves of bread. Remember, Jesus has been fasting for 40 days, and the scripture says he was very hungry. The word if can also be translated since. He is affirming the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. He says, because you are the Son of God, you have enormous power. You can look at the stones lying right there at your feet and make them bread. Satisfy yourself. You remember how God had fed the people of Israel in the wilderness for 40 years. He's reminding Jesus of that fact. He says, just turn the stones to bread. No problem for you. Just take care of things yourself. The temptation is this. Just save yourself. Do it your way. You can do this. Jesus, you can do it alone. You don't need the Father. You don't have to go through the suffering. Just do it yourself. Satan flatters Jesus with his own power. He says you can turn stones to bread, reminding them that God himself had fed his people with manna in the wilderness. It is also a temptation to rebel against the idea of suffering. You don't have to go through this thing with the cross. You've got the power yourself. You can provide for yourself anything you need. Jesus responds in an interesting way. He quotes scripture. He says, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus says, I'm not going to fall for it. Let me remind you what uh, that scripture is really all about, Satan. And Jesus quotes the verse from Deuteronomy 8. He quotes only half of one verse, but I want you to hear it in context. So I'm going to read Deuteronomy 8, 2, and 3. Uh, Moses is reminding the people of Israel of all God has done for them. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Yes, he humbled you by 
letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus tells Satan, you won't get away with twisting the meaning of Scripture with me. The whole bread in the wilderness thing was to teach the people to trust God, to depend on uh, Him and not themselves. It was to teach them that they needed a Savior, that they could not save themselves. He says, I may go hungry, I may be hungry after 40 days of fasting, but the strength that I really need, I get from the word of my Father, not from what I can do myself. So I want to remind myself and each of you of something uh, that is very important. We are not the ones who can save ourselves. We can and should do whatever is smart in any situation that brings us danger. But our lives are in the hands of God. The temptation to think that I can take care of myself without him is the same temptation that Jesus faced. And he told Satan, God was teaching his people to trust him for their needs. Jesus said, I'm not going to go it alone. I'm not going to trust myself. You know, you can still trust him. You're not, to ask, you're not asked to do it alone. We do, we are saved, we follow through him. Obedience is what he calls us to do, and he is the one who gives us the power. So the first, uh, the first trial was a miserable failure. Satan doesn't give up easily, though. And he says to Jesus, well, you're not the only one who knows the scripture, let me just remind you of this one. And he whisks Jesus up to the highest point of the temple in Jerusalem. And he tempts Jesus to, um, to rescue himself, but not just to save himself, but also to do it, um, you know, really in a spectacular way. Let me just listen to this. Uh, he's saying to save yourself in the way that you want to save yourself. All right, so he says, Then the devil took him to the, to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. And he said, If you are the Son of God, there it is again, if you are the Son of God, he says, Jump off, for the scripture says, and he quotes a scripture, He will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. The devil says, uh, you know, there's a better way. You don't have to go through the cross experience. If you jump off of this temple spire, he'll have to save you because he says so in his word. And what do you think the people will do when they see the angels swoop down and catch you in the last minute? Uh, you'll be the man. It's the way to go. And Jesus responds, with the scripture. He says the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. 
Again, quoting from Deuteronomy 6, 16, and 17, you must not test the Lord your God as you did when you complained in Massah. You must diligently obey the commands of the Lord your God, all the laws and decrees that he has given you. Satan, this is what you could never understand. It isn't about you. It is about obeying him. <clears throat> and that hasn't really changed. Our call is also to obey him, to live our lives his way, to be faithful to his call. It is not to do it our way. Satan then seems to kind of lose all restraint. I guess he's getting desperate. He tells Jesus, well, I'll give you whatever you want. The last temptation is you can have it all. Uh, we read in verse 8, Next the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will just kneel down and worship me. One last desperate attempt. Please, just worship me. I can give you everything. This temptation works maybe better than the other two with us, doesn't it? The promise of worldly power and wealth, it is a very strong temptation. Jesus responds by saying, get out of here, Satan. For the, the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. This temptation was also a temptation of timing. The thing is, Jesus knew that God would make him ruler over all creation. Revelation eleven fifteen, speaking of the time after the second coming when God brings all things to conclusion, we read the world has now become the kingdom of our Lord Jesus and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. Satan's temptation, however, was to take a shortcut. Have what you want, and have it now. Have it without the suffering that comes with obedience. So there they are. The three temptations Satan uses on us every day. To go it alone. Just be your own God. You don't need anybody else. Or do it your way. <laughs> don't sweat the details. Just you live your life according to the standards that you set. And, of course, you're, you deserve to have whatever you want and to have it now in the way you want it. Don't be so hung up on God. Just get what you want out of life. Those are the temptations that we face, too. Jesus reflect, re rejected all three. What about you? We face those temptations. Satan... The deceiver is still at work trying to destroy us who love God and follow him. How do we find the kind, how do we deal with that kind of temptation? Well, Jesus gives us in this scripture some very practical help that I want to mention. First of all, we need to recognize if, if Jesus faced temptation, how much more will we? We should expect temptation. Temptation is a part of life 
in a fallen world. It is a part of the human experience. Satan is intent on leading us away from Christ, and we should always be aware that he is at work. He will tell us that we can take care of ourselves. We don't need anybody else. That we, we need to just do what we want to do. Don't let anyone else tell you what to do. And he will tell us that what really counts is how much you have in this world. He fails to remind you that uh, the open grave is waiting on you. And you'll leave all of that behind. Don't fall for his temptation. And remember that suffering is a part of this life, especially a life centered on Christ. If we live for him, we will face hardships. And those hardships are the very thing that Satan uses to lure us away from faithfulness to him. Remember that God's goal for you is not comfort. God's goal for you is maturity, spiritual maturity. His goal for you is to shape you to be like Jesus. Secondly, if you're going to face temptation, you need a weapon. If you're going to fight a battle, you've got to have something to fight with. Paul wrote in Ephesians 6.17, Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So the sword that you need to fight temptation is the same one that Jesus used. It is God's word. We won't get anywhere without knowing the scripture. It is the only thing that can protect us from temptation. It always amazes me that Jesus himself used the word of God as the sword of defense against the temptations that he, the son of God, experienced. If Jesus needed the word, what about you? What about me? Now, in order to have the word, I think that the scripture tells us there, there are three parts to that. One, we need to have a habit of studying God's word ourselves. That needs to be a daily habit for us. But we don't need it just from us. We need to be in groups where we can discuss God's word and learn from each other. God has given us uh, family members in the faith who can help us along. That's why it's so important that be, we be in a part of a, a small group in a Sunday school class or in a, in a group that studies God's word, a home group or whatever. Not just alone. And the scripture makes very clear that we need to hear the preached word in the context of worship in the family of God. Uh, God expects it and desires it and he speaks to us through it. Thirdly, we need to remember that God is faithful. Um, you know, we're in a fight against Satan, the scripture says, but we are never fighting alone. We're part of an army, actually. After Jesus' battle with Satan, we read that the angels came and took care of him. They'd been there all alone, watching and strengthening. But when it was all over, they were there to help him. Paul tells us this in 1 Corinthians. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And that simply means, you know, I thought it was harder for me than anybody else. Surely, mine are worse. 
Nope, he says, really what we experience is common. And God is faithful to his children. He will not allow the temptation to be more than we can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out, Paul says, so that you can endure. Remember that God is faithful, that he will not allow you to be overwhelmed, and that he is going to show you the way out. And finally, a sword does no good if we don't take it up, if we don't pull it out of the sheath. If I don't use it, then it's worthless. And you know what? God's word is worthless if it is not a part of my life, my daily life. I have to take it up and use it. Now let me remind you, as you think about temptation this week, of one thing that makes me happy. When I read the book of Revelation, uh, and we see this description of the new heaven and the new earth, at the center is the tree of life. Guess what is absent in the new heaven and the new earth? It is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There will be no temptation and no possibility of temptation. I want to ask you to be faithful. Be faithful to God. Fight the good fight. Don't give in to the temptations of Satan in your life. And in the end, you will be rewarded for that. God will see you through. Lord, we thank you so much for your faithfulness, for the way that you withstood the temptations of Satan, and uh, were able to, to be obedient even to death on the cross in order to save us. And I pray, Father, that you would help us this week as we face whatever temptation Satan may throw at us. Help us to be faithful to you and to remember that there is a day coming when temptation will be no more because we will live in your very presence. We praise you and love you and thank you. Amen.